0: Evolutionaries, and welcome to the For the Evolution of Business podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Brady, and I'm here today with Rashad Smith. Radical Rashad is a national award-winning media professional. As a creative strategist and multimedia account executive, he plays a variety of roles to help enhance the station's relationship with community, local leaders, and commercial sponsors. In addition to his behind-the-scenes responsibilities, each Sunday, Radical Rashad hosts a community-oriented show compromising interviews with movers and shakers from the town, spotlight stories, and contests. When he's not working to strengthen the station's brand, Radical Rashad is generating buzz for his brands as a freelance publicist and project manager. He's worked for big brands like Black Entertainment Television, C-SPAN, and Rock the Vote, experience that led to the development of PowerHourEvents.com, a networking movement that brings together creatives and decision makers to collaborate on four impact initiatives. Radical Rashad holds a BA in communications from Johnson C. Smith University, a historically black college in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a proud member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Thanks so much for joining us today, Rashad. Brady, what's up, man? I am just, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I know we've been talking about it for a little while, but, you know, there's been so much going on, and I think a lot of brands really struggling with how to position themselves, how to be authentic, how to maybe step up their game from from what's uh, what's been lacking. And I was trying to figure out how long I've, I've known you. I think it's, you know, maybe at least seven or eight years from a former friend and, and colleague, uh, that we had Jeff Newland way back in the day. Um, but I I've always known you to be somebody that can give it to us straight. So I figured yeah. it'd be perfect for an interview like this.
1: Yeah, no, thank, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I've been having these discussions ongoing really seven days, seven consecutive days to date. Um, you mentioned Jeff Newland, the late the great Jeff Newland, who I learned a lot from older white man who I learned from uh, and really a lot in regards to mentorship. And so I, I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to have met you through Jeff uh, because of the values he stood on. I knew that anybody, who I connected with through him. Um, I, I believe to be great people, and you proved that point right. So, uh, thanks for your friendship.
0: Well, that's that's too kind of you. But uh, I'm I'm glad to have glad to have got to know you through there. Lucky to have you on the <laughs> RYP board for a couple of years as well. But you know, one of the things that has been just jumping out at me lately, and I, I know I sent you this kind of funny little meme that was that I've been seeing all over social media lately. When when everybody was responding to uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and, and everything going on from from George Floyd and from many others. And it's this, it's this meme basically that, that is kind of like a template that it feels like every brand has been putting out. And it just says, we at whatever brand are committed to fighting injustice by posting images to Twitter that express our commitment to fighting injustice. To that end, we offer this solemn white on black picture that expresses vague solidarity with the black community. Oh, quietly, uh, you know, hide the specifics of what is wrong Uh, what needs to change or in what ways we'll do anything about it and uh, you know sometimes we've even exacerbated these issues and we hope that this encourages you to view us well uh, you know without actually expecting us to do anything and and I've seen so many of these stand in solidarity type of posts and um, you know it just rings so hollow to me and so what it have there been any brands that you've seen um, that have either you know really done it done it really well and more authentically or uh, are you seeing a lot more that are, that are stumbling over themselves like that?
1: Um, I think certainly some brands have accomplished the goal to authentically communicate whatever that message is to let uh, black lives and those who are allies know that they're on their side. Not just with the message, but also communicating a message about action. I think first of all, even with this template, which I love so much because I do feel this from many of the brands, but even off the rip, how even how wrong this template is, right? So I think that the first thing that the brands should do is recognize the individuals who have lost their lives to this, right? And so even if it's sort of a template where you understand the individuals and unfortunately, possibly making room or space on your template to add another name in, um, but saying their names, and I just listed the names, Rayshon Brooks, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Eric Gardner, Sandra Bland, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin. The list goes on and on and on, but just acknowledging that is really critical. You ask the question, which brands have did it good and who did it do it so well? The NFL, and eh, they did not do a great job at that. And here's my reason, my reason and why. Um, it was a challenge from the athletes to the commissioner to say hey we want you to recognize that black lives matter can you actually say that the commissioner actually said it hey we want you to say that we were wrong on our stance when we were trying to bring it to your attention before And the commissioner said we were wrong Uh, but it just didn't feel genuine brady it just didn't feel real uh, partially because to my point he missed a very important part and that was saying the name of the athlete who fought very hard to make sure that um, that taking that knee was not in vain. Um, and we all know who that athlete is.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's something that has been going on a lot in, in terms of some of these discussions of whether or not these brands are being authentic, it's sometimes getting a, a feel for whether or not it's gonna impact their bottom line in a positive way, right? Like, like I I think that some of the reason that the NFL certainly, uh, you know, was was for a long time hesitant to, to maybe take a stand is because probably a lot of their their audience, uh, you know, is is not crazy about some of the things that Cap was doing. Right. Like they were not they were not, uh, you know, in favor of it. And so the NFL was worried that if they if they stood with him uh, or if they stood with Black Lives Matter, that, uh, you know, that, that people might might jump back or, or might uh, might boycott or protest or, or whatever the case may be. And so I think that that's a big piece of it is in some ways, it's a step in the right direction, of course, that they're, that they're, you know, apologizing directly and saying that they're wrong, but their refusal to to specifically apologize to him definitely made it, uh, made it ring hollow. Now on the other end, I was actually, I was surprised and and I'd be curious to hear your perspective. Um, I was somewhat surprised when NASCAR decided to, To ban the Confederate flag. As like sad as that sounds, because I don't even know how in 2020 that's even still like a thing. But at the same time, a lot of their fans, um, I don't want to, you know, put them all in one bucket by any means, but a lot of their fans are probably people that, you know, find that pride in the in the Confederate flag and say that it's a part of their history and 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 so I was surprised to see it. Did you feel like that was a step in the right direction because they might be taking a hit, you know, in their bottom line. Or what was your feeling on on NASCAR's uh, stand? Yeah, no, I don't know how
1: much NASCAR would be taking a hit in their bottom line. Um, so I'm not a NASCAR fan, and I, and I don't have a lot of family members or friends who are running. To, I remember applying to a job to NASCAR, living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and going to school in the area. No and so I remember like the hustle there, but even with that, I'm like, ah, this is not really for me. This is not a, you know, NASCAR, but to even, I didn't know that they had these Confederate flags still visible there. And so when I heard it, um, I think that is something where you say, all right, here's a brand who's really taking that to taking this move in and doing things in the right direction. The fact that NFL did not call Ka- Ka- Colin Kaepernick's name out, um, for me, that that was an incredible sign of you did not mean this. The idea that NASCAR, whose base is pro- probably predominantly uh, white men, uh, white families, uh, take away the Confederate flag of what we know for, for many folks to uh, advocate for and push around American history of some sort, um, for them to do that and almost risk uh, the their, their bottom line, whatever that may mean, right? For them to risk that says to me that that's an opportunity that us as Black people, people who are a part of this movement, allies should talk about and promote um, because I think that a lot about this movement is risk-taking. And so what NASCAR did to me, uh, although we should not have this conversation because I just, I didn't know it existed. But when I found out that they did it, um, it, it, I was sort of relieved it was, a, it was a sigh for me Like you know I'm like oh wow they still have that but wow they, they also made this statement and did it and so I think we have to uh, also figure out ways to acknowledge not applaud which I have an issue with uh, organizations or, or individuals saying that we should applaud companies and brands for doing these things we're not necessarily applauding because there's so much work to do but we should acknowledge and NASCAR is an example
0: that's interesting. That's, that's an interesting um, way to dice it there. Cause I, I do, I do agree. You know, I think that, um, you know, there, there is a difference between acknowledging that that progress, you know, needs to be made, but also uh, nudging them forward in, in a little bit of a direction, which, you know, I think is, is one of the other things that I wanted to talk with you about, because you have this, this perspective and this expertise around marketing branding and there's certain brands. Um, like for example, I heard about Citi, uh Citi bank, and their CFO said that he was going to donate to some social justice causes. Um, meanwhile, City as an organization has given hundreds of thousands of dollars to members of Congress that have an F rating from the NAACP. So it's like when you are directly um, and sometimes in a fairly opaque way, um, you know, going against some of the things that you're that you're pretending to espouse. And you know, I think that that is certainly Um, you know that is a red flag but there's also a lot of other organizations where it's maybe not that explicit right like there's there's probably many who maybe recognize that there was a problem uh, but didn't do enough about it or didn't make it enough of a a sense of urgency whether that's the way that they were branding and marketing themselves whether that's the way that they were you know promoting diversity within their organization or within the leadership of the organization so for those that maybe are committed to this journey, um, but maybe recognize that they haven't done enough in the past, is it better for them to stay silent until they, until they start to prove some progress? Or, or would you recommend that they kind of own up and apologize to their mistakes and say what they're doing? Or what is a good way for, for organizations who are, are truly committed but, but maybe haven't proven it yet to start to dip their toe into the water of, of making this, this progress?
1: Yeah, at this toe, the toe dipping is, you're too late. You should be uh, at the neck in the water. Um, I think that, so no, I'm, you're not too late. Uh, however, you need to jump on board before you are too late because um, I think that the culture is watching and we're being cognizant of who's saying what and when they're saying it and how. Um, and so that's something to, to consider, for brands to consider, but I think it's critical for these brands to understand that they certainly may not have the answer primarily because their their boardrooms and their meeting rooms and you know they're not they're not filled with people that look like me they're you know african-american people black people um are not necessarily represented in ways really across america uh and and just various um uh, respective uh areas throughout in this country. So I think that for brands, it's really critical for them to reach out to folks within the community who might be able to help them understand uh, this movement a little better, help them understand the concerns of black people a little better before they make this blanket statement. Try to truly understand uh, what are the issues and what are the concerns, and even uh, more deeply, try to look at it through this lens of an enslaved people. I've had conversation with with folks where they're saying, all right, so how do we do this? What do we do? My first thing is think about this through the lens of, you know, in the early 1600s when the first slave was brought to Jamestown. Like think about it from that perspective and how they were enslaved for over 300 years, 400 years. Like, I mean, you know, think about it from that perspective as you're trying to figure out, how do I take my stance in this fight? Um, And just be really critical and strategic and tactful uh, uh, when you're taking these stances. Um, But understand that without guidance and without support from people of color, from black people, you very well may miss the mark, which is one of the reasons why it's critical for employers to begin to identify uh, and almost go out of their way to figure out which black people I'm hiring for which opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And there's actually, I was at one of the, the protests um, a couple weekends ago, been I mean, at the last couple, but but this one was a couple weekends ago, and they were saying, uh, one, one of the people that were up there, I'm, I'm not sure which, which what their name was, uh, but they were talking about how basically you wanna, you want to put us on your brochures, but you know, you, don't, wanna, you don't, want, don't want us to be your bosses and things like that. And I think that that's such an important point is not only, you know, figuring out how to, uh, you know, have diversity within your ranks, um, but also making sure that you have diversity throughout your ranks, you know, throughout into, into leadership positions, uh, into, into your board. Because, first of all, you should want to reflect your customer base. You should want to reflect the overall, um, you know, communities that you're a part of because then you can connect with them in a, in a more, you know, effective way. Um, but also they, they might keep you from making some of those missteps. They, they, they have that lived experience where they can say, oh, you might not want to say that, or, uh, you know, you're, you're not living this enough. Does that, um, is that a good place to start? Or like, I, I don't know for those brands, again, who are, who are saying, okay, we're, we're late to the game, but we want to get started. Um, you know, they need to hire folks, but, but sometimes it's, it's a matter of, well, if you, if you hire uh, folks, but you're not, you you hire people from diverse backgrounds, but you're not making the culture inclusive, then they're probably not going to stick around very long and you're back at square one. So is it, should they first be, um, you know, doing some kind of, reading or educating of themselves or, or what's a good way? How do they, it's going to be no matter what, it's going to be a clumsy process, but, but how can they maybe get started on that? Do you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah. So uh, self-education is key. You mentioned it most. Um, That is most important. And for me, that's what white people should do instantly. Um, Black people have had to do that outside of educational institutions uh, luckily for me, I was able to attend a historically black college and university where I was able to learn a lot of the history, like, like the true history of black America. Um, but before that um, and after that, I've had to do this, you know, like self-education. And so it's absolutely critical for, for white people to say, I need to read. I need to watch. I need to think. I need to talk. I need to discuss and figure out how, like, you know, what exactly uh, my approach should be. I recommend for every white person to watch every Spike Lee joint. All right. Every single Spike Lee joint, including what was most recent, uh, The Five Bloods, which is an incredible movie, two hours, 30 minutes. It is incredible about the history of this country and about black men fighting in in wars for the United States. Um, But it just gives this uh, outline of, of race and culture, and not just from a black and white perspective, neither. Um, but it's an incredible movie, and it was released just this past Friday on Netflix. So that's a start. That's a start to say, all right, how can I educate myself? They're going. Those movies, I think, will probably make majority white people. I'm not counting you in the majority bunch, Andrew, because I feel like you get it, and I'm inviting you to the picnic. i you know, like you always got that invitation for <laughs> me. But I feel like majority of white people will be afraid and nervous when they watch Spike Lee joints um, because he's so real and raw. We've seen him. uh, He depicted like things that have happened just this year in movies from 25, 30 years ago. The same stories that we've heard over and over. It's just that cell phone footage wasn't there to capture it. Um, And that's 30 years ago, Brady. That is thirty years ago, and so that's that's a key element for brands uh, and for white people and for black people to continue to educate ourselves. But for folks to educate themselves, um, by by yeah, start with Spike Lee, start All with right.
0: Spike Lee. <laughs> I like that. Well, you know, I think I think it's so important to kind of embrace that discomfort, whether that's you know reading about some of the some of the history. I'm I'm actually three quarters of the way through um, the Color of Law right now, just looking at through, um, you know, housing and, and redlining and, you know, the, the FHA loans and the New Deal and how there was just racism throughout all of that. And then every time that it would get somewhat struck down by, you know, the Supreme Court or something, they'd find other ways around it. And, and you talk about, uh, you know, financial folks talk all the time about the, the magic of compounding interest. And it's like, well, if, you know, yes, slavery and and you know jim crow and all all of the things that happened years ago and sometimes people are like oh well that was you know so long ago and it's like yeah well not only that but then compounding on top of that is what's been going on for the last you know 50 60 70 years and that's why we're in a place right now where uh you know the average white family has 10 times the wealth of the average black family and so like those are the types of things that have compounded over time and and I think that, as you were mentioning, you know, brands need to be aware of that when they're when they're making statements, when they're when they're hiring people, when they're just putting themselves out there. And the other thing that I think you you kind of joked about and brought up was, you know, the the, the picnic or the barbecue or whatever. But I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of white people that have probably never been the minority in, a, in an all black space um, and maybe feeling a little bit uncomfortable and feeling like, how do I navigate this? or how do i uh you know authentically communicate in in all those sorts of things and it's gonna be clumsy um you know especially at first but but I think that that's something I don't know in my experience to to try to seek out uh has been has been important as well
1: yeah um so so let me just say. I'm not inviting you to the picnic. I'm inviting you to the barbecue. All right. Because, because, and I think this is an important part, right? Because you've, you have said, Rashad, let me know when I when I say something um, that, you know, you kind of need to educate me about. Um, so the, the term picnic for black people is, is you know, we don't use that word. You'll hear some folks kind of use it. Maybe they don't necessarily know uh, the meaning and the history behind that. But it was a shortened word for pick a nigga. And so that's something that we don't say. Like you, I would never invite you to a picnic because I don't have them. (laughs) But I will have a barbecue and you're invited. But that's interesting and and something that I wanted to say. Um, I I lost your question, though. I know you kind of made a statement and I I wanted to respond to it. But I, I wanted to bring up, too, in relation to what you're talking about. Amanda Mull, I talked about this on Connections. She's a staff writer, Connections with Evan Dawson. Amanda Mull is a staff writer with The Atlantic. And she, I'm quoting her. She says, what the companies that play this game don't seem to be contemplating is that their businesses frequently don't pay back nearly as much as they gain from their associations with Black Americans. We talked a little bit about the history of slavery. Um, so let's, let's break this down some, right? So I'm thinking Civil Rights Act 1964, My mother was born in 1956. That means when my mama was born, who's still here and able to share stories with me, when she was born, it was absolutely legal for black people and white people to be in separate spaces. And And if you went against that, you could be beaten, jailed, or killed. And I think about like, damn. Like, that was not that long ago. Like, I have someone here who can talk to me about those experiences. So I think for America in general, we got to deal with those experiences head on. Um, And and I'm glad to hear that there's so much conversation around reparations. and And I do feel like that that is something that we have to figure out. One thing that coronavirus has taught us is that we are able to respond instantly. And this is a point that I make every time I talk. We are able to say, let's change laws. We are able to provide funding. We are able to close down the world. Like We know that we can do this now. And so because we know that we can respond to a pandemic like that, we need to also respond to this epidemic of racism like that. Um, They're both health crises. I think that for so long, we placed racism um, on this agenda of politics and it's really not about politics. It is really about health and wellness in this country and, and, and a system of, of, of injustice. Um, and so th- those are just some key points uh, that I kind of wanted to bring up as you talk somewhat about the history and how do we, you know, move into this direction of understanding and knowing. We got to acknowledge. Amanda Moore said that uh, we don't, white folks don't necessarily know how much their association for black folks are really is building their brands. That is so key. And this is continuous here in Rochester and across the country, where you have white organizations, predominantly white with zero or little to no staff there, where they're working on projects that are intended to impact black and brown communities, getting hundreds and thousands of dollars annually, and their employer, their employees do not reflect people of color. So just some things to consider.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point. And, and thank you, too. I learned I, I figured it was inevitable, um, you know, that I was going to say something stupid. And so I appreciate, I appreciate you educating me on that. Cause I honestly, I never knew that I learn learn something every day. And I, and I appreciate you, uh, at least, at least believing that my heart's in the right place, but, uh, um, Absolutely. certainly, certainly don't, certainly don't have to do that, but I'm, I'm grateful for, for friends like you that, that do, uh, do keep me honest along the way. Um, one of the things though, that I kind of wanted to, to ask you a little bit about is, what what is in what are some meaningful things you've seen brands doing um you know is it is it them committing to you know board membership leadership uh hiring i saw one that was kind of uh kind of interesting where there was a a pizza company uh and pizza that i had never heard of previously but they committed to giving paid time off to their employees to you know participate in activism um which i thought was kind of a creative way to to, you know throw some money behind supporting some of these causes Have there been any other creative ways or meaningful ways that you've seen companies actually put their money where their mouth is uh
1: yeah so i think nike and twitter just deemed juneteenth as a national holiday and so this friday june 19th um which is juneteenth uh their employees will be able to not work and get paid right amazing and that's the type of effort that it will take, of course. Uh, June 10th is celebrated by African Americans um, in relation to the Emancipation Proclamation, where slaves thought that they were free. Um, but two years later, years went down the line, and sta- slaves were still enslaved. And it wasn't until um, June 19th of 1865, where uh, African Americans or Black people were told that they were free and all. And so. Um, the idea that Nike and, and Twitter had around making this a national holiday and paying our employees on this day to celebrate culture and history is, to me, is I mean that should have been that 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 should have been the case. Even if we think about Martin Luther King Day, right? Like, uh, folks are still working on Martin Luther King Day, but it takes that type of effort for companies to say no. We won't work here. We're going to pay our employees. Um, we want our employees to celebrate the culture and the history of this day. And, and that's what it should be. So it, it's going to take, Brady, those types of creative strategies and approaches to say, all right, not only are we posting on Facebook and social me- on social media, but we're putting our money where our mouth is from the perspective of our employees. That's one element. But also what our brand will do and can do for the sake of the community. Um, and maybe that is the community with wherever the headquarters are. Maybe that's the the overall community. But there, there's two things that I think that brands should look at. What can we do for our employees, those who are Black, but also those who are White, right, during these times of celebration? Um, and if we don't have the Black, then we need to try to hire. And then what can we do to let the community also know that we are moving this fight forward with us staying in our lane, respectively, and completing whatever actions that we can with the resources that we have.
0: Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. There's been uh, in several different companies kind of employee activism. Um, I, I mean, in some ways, in the the NFL players were were almost like employees that were that were pushing their brand forward. Um, you know, I've seen some other companies as well. But then, but then you also see some some customers pushing back. Some some customer and community activism uh, like like Starbucks, for example, when they first came out, I don't know, almost inexplicably to me because they've generally been on the more progressive side from, from what I've seen. Um, so I was pretty surprised when, when I saw that it came out, that they basically said that they were not going to allow employees to wear anything in support of black lives matter. And then, I don't know, I think it was like 24 hours later, they, they reversed course because everybody was, was up in arms about it. And, and I think rightfully so, but, um, you know, I, Talk a little bit to me about what you see in terms of how how customers can can advocate and then for for a company like Starbucks, um, does that help at all or is it is it too late at that point when they when they reverse course? like like how how can you navigate those sorts of things as a brand, um, hopefully in an authentic way? Yeah, see i'm
1: I'm always the human being, I'm always the individual, the black man who's ready to not support something for some reason. Like, just, you know, give it to me. Say the wrong thing. You no longer will get my $20, right? Um, I've personally never been a huge Starbucks fan. I know that is not the popular opinion. And folks will be like, what? Um, But I'm easily ready to say, screw you, Starbucks, because you're not on our side. Um, It shows the true colors, though. You think about how Starbucks responded when those black men were harassed and and walked out by law enforcement in in one of their uh, uh, coffee shops. And you think about their immediate response to that and how I acknowledged, not applaud Starbucks at the time for that effort. doing that, um, I was proud of Starbucks and I actually wanted to go buy a damn
0: latte. (laughs) Because they they you know, shut down their stores to do some training, right? And
1: shut down their stores across the country, across the globe to do training on diversity and inclusion. And so... That was certainly something that we needed to see, but it was almost a slap in our face when they said you will not wear anything to support Black Lives Matter movements. When we know that it is not the same for like, you know, simple things that folks in this movement are also a part of like breast cancer awareness or LGBTQ rights or whatever it may be. Um, We know that Starbucks wouldn't have that response. Um, It pissed me off when I heard it, Brady. And I'm not really ready to promote or even encourage folks to go to Starbucks, that's the risk that brands take. And they know that's the risk that they take. That's why they have to go back and think about it and talk about it because they know that that bottom line is going to be impacted. And they, can we curse on this podcast?
0: Sure.
1: (laughs) I won't won't do it. But they they know that they will have something to face if, if they did not do that. You know, if they did not backtrack and say, oh, well, that was the wrong thing to do because that money talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways, I don't know if you were if you were on the team at Starbucks, um, you know, is is that part of the discussion before you? I mean, because that's that is got to be a statement that they they take some time and, and thought and conversation before they put out a statement, you know, and send that to all their employees that they can't do that. Is, is that in your mind just a lack of maybe diversity on their leadership team to kind of explain why that's so important or I don't know like like why why would they go out of their way to to do that um in in how maybe would you coach them uh in in another direction to kind of avoid those missteps in the future
1: yeah it sounds like the argument with cops and how there are bad apples that make up all of these cops that are cop killers in a sense Um, It sounds like there are bad apples at Starbucks and maybe even at brands, and they have influence and power too. And so folks may not necessarily step up or speak out. Um, This isn't, well, this past week, this past weekend, yeah, um, there was lots of conversation around the Black Lives Matter mural around the country, the various murals around the country uh, that I am proud of. When when D.C. Mayor came out with Black Lives Matter Plaza, uh, uh, changed that from Sixteenth Street to Black Lives Matter Plaza and painted that strip in the in big bold colors that read Black Lives Matter. Brady, that was something that I was proud of. And then I saw the other cities pick it up. And then I saw my second home where I attended school at, Charlotte, North Carolina. I saw them pick it up and artistically deliver. And it gave the community something to be proud of. Uh, but the conversation came back home. And Rochester, we picked up and we did it. The only issue was that when we did it, it dissatisfied many people including myself because the brand that we know as the city of rochester they placed this black lives matter uh mural on a side street that really wasn't quite visible and it was in the color blue and so when you talk about individuals who are in leadership and missing the mark it is critical for us i know it had to be part of the conversation you know like just like starbucks it had, somebody had to bring it up and say we need to address this and this is the plan um and i thought that that was the same thing with the, with the local brand here in the black lives matter mural somebody said we need to address this and this is the plan and it was a decision to paint this blue um and i don't know if it was intentional or not but it did not sit well with the community and we were upset and we spoke out And hopefully we'll see even changes around that. But it's that critical when brands are making decisions, Brady, to be that forward-thinking and thought-provoking when they're sending these messages.
0: Yeah, thanks for bringing that up because I, you know, while not directly business-related, it's definitely leadership-related in terms of um, I was gonna I was gonna bring up because I've seen some controversy around that. The other thing that I was thinking of that that I saw that you had some you know opinions on that I'd love to just hear more about um, was the. The, the House Democrats, where they, they wore the kente cloth, um, you know, and and they, they were kneeling and, and, and they were trying to do it in solidarity. And I'll be honest, when I first saw it, it was a little bit strange to me. Like, I like I felt like, okay, they're trying, but it just, it looked a little bit out of place, I guess, in some ways. But then I heard that um, it was the the Black Democratic Caucus that, that had suggested that they do that. So, um, I don't know. I, I saw some mixed reactions as you were having conversations about this on, on social media. And I think that, uh, you know, in some ways you have to know as a leader that you're never going to be able to please everybody. Um, but what was your feeling on, on that? And maybe, um, you know, what could they have done to, to make it more impactful or, or, you know, navigated that situation better?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure. So, when I saw it, I smiled, and this was one of those things where I wasn't like furious about. Um, however, um, <laughs> I thought it was quite comical, but I did not. I did not think that it was okay, and and, and it's simply because. Uh, the 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 kente cloths, uh, you know, that's a part of the culture and history, and it's war with pride, and maybe that was their intention. And I do, I did too. Later, heard that it was a group of folks who gave the material to uh, political to politicians. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where it's like too soon. I can see that being a thing, and I'm not necessarily opposed to uh white white folk wearing that type of material i don't know if my peers and folks would agree with me necessarily that's just my opinion it shows solidarity however it just again it just didn't feel genuine and it 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 almost felt pressured and pushed and it was it was really inappropriate um just out of sake of saying all right this is what this culture wears and this is what means something to them Let's go ahead and put this on and and take a knee. Ah, that doesn't do, that don't do much of anything for me. How can you use that political power and some of that money that you got to make this thing different instantly? And that, you know, don't put on a a political power, uh, Kente cloth fashion show. I don't really care about that. I want to know how can you use that power to make instant change? Um, but yeah, that was my thought on that. It gave me a little laugh, but it also said like, Hey y'all don't get it mixed up just because you are allies and in support of this. Um, don't try to play the culture by just adopting principles so easily.
0: Yeah, I actually, you you mentioned, cause you're, you, this conversation that, that you and I are having kind of started when you were on, on connections and I can link to that in the show notes, but um, I was actually listening to the show today and there was a caller that called in wondering if it was okay for, uh, for her as a white woman to, to wear a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. So um, what are your feelings on some of those things? Were cause uh, you know, locally anyways, that a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests have had many white people at them. And, and how do you see, um, whether locally or, or nationally, how do you see that, that white people can be, um, you know, allies in this movement and, and really be authentic about that on a personal level?
1: Yeah, that's a good question there. Um, <laughs> the Black Lives Matter movement was created uh, and and from the jump, there there were white people who were allies. And so to that extent, I think it's absolutely okay for them to rock proudly uh, Black Lives Matter apparel. It certainly lets us know where you stand. It is a statement and it's a statement that we stand on. Um, but African garments, those are dated back into history. And 20 years ago, white people would have cringed to wear uh, African garments. And so it it just, it it didn't feel right in that case. Um, But I think that's a really good point. We talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and all across the country, all across the world, we are seeing uh, uh, loads of white people come out and support, in many cases, more than black faces. Um, And so it's incredible to see uh, that, 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 uh, For white folks to come out and be supportive there. Um, But it's also incredible for white folks to make us take a stance and make a statement themselves, whether that is wearing a pill apparel that says Black Lives Matter, or maybe it's even more strategic for white people, which is a project that I'm working on with my college buddy. Uh, Dominic Higgins, where we 're creating sort of this this guide in a sense that comes with apparel for white people and it simply it simply states, "I will not be silent signed white people um, and so those types of messages are are critical and it takes an immediate stance and it lets us know that this is you know you are at least on this team now you 're shouting and you 're talking and you 're wearing but now let 's also talk about what we're going to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, if, uh, if you have, if you have any more information on that, we can certainly link to that in the show notes for people who want to want to gear up and, and show their support. Because I do think, um, those, those statements, um, you know, especially when it's a public statement, um, it, it almost, I find, uh, whenever you make any kind of public statement, then people are going to hold you accountable as they should um so once you make that public statement whether it's as a as a brand or whether that's as an individual um you know that's that's only the first step you know i you know that i do a lot of work with uh, with organizations around you know their their leadership and their culture and their purpose and you know when they put their mission statement and their in their values up on the wall that's only the first step because now you actually have to live it um now you actually have to enact that in your behaviors and in in everything that you do and you have to be open to criticism when people are are noting that there's there's a disconnect there. Um, And that's actually where I kind of wanted to start to wrap up a little bit is, I don't know if you read when uh, the New York Times had their 1619 project come out, uh, and Nicole Hannah-Jones wrote this wonderful piece. Um, There's many, many pieces throughout the project, but this one kind of kicked it off. And basically her argument was that, you know, we all know, that all of the things that the Declaration of Independence uh, and, the, and the Constitution you know, claimed to uh, promote in terms of you know, equality and, and all of these sorts of things, that was only for a very select group of people. And her argument essentially was that Black Americans throughout American history have been perhaps the most American of all because they have continued to hold this country accountable to live hopefully getting closer and closer over time, although we still have a long way to go, but moving in the direction of actually living up to that public statement and those documents. Um, and so I just, I just think that we in this time now, um, you know, as those statements are being made, now it's time to to live up to that. And, and you know, I'm just as guilty as, as other people where maybe, you know, I didn't, read as many books as I should have, and now I'm you know, catching up on some of the ones that I didn't. Or you know, we, we all are on different stages of this journey, but um, I, you know, to tie it back to business, there was the, the I don't know if you saw the Business Roundtable, they made a statement about moving away from stockholder capitalism and towards you know, balancing the needs of all stakeholders. The Business Roundtable is a, a group of Fortune 500 CEOs, and it was like, you guys have not been, guys and gals have not been living this whatsoever. Um, but you've made this statement, and now you can darn well expect that we're gonna we're gonna hold you accountable to it. and so I think um, I appreciate folks like like you that are that are keeping me accountable, um all the all the friends that I have that you know call me out, whether on racial race related things or or otherwise, when I'm not living up to my principles and values. and I think that that's what we need to do. But what is your kind of feeling on you know how to how to call people out in a in a productive way, because I think that I've seen sometimes where people get called out and then it just makes those those people that got called out tribal and almost uh, you know you know go in the, in the wrong direction or just not you know engage in difficult conversations anymore. Have you found any ways that, that we can call people out in a more productive way?
1: Yeah, so I think first and foremost, um, brands and white people have to be cognizant of emotions that are wrapped up in this thing. And they cannot be so quickly to get aggravated or or insulted by the response of Black people. They have to be patient. They have to be loving and caring and genuine. And they have to have a sense of understanding. And it's going to be a long-term fight. This is not gonna, you know, everything is not gonna be fixed 2021. And so having that understanding first is going to be key with any brand or any white person. You have to be understanding, and I'm so glad that you talked about the 1619 Project and taking it back, because that's sort of how we started this conversation with brands and and people who are not black looking at this whole entire thing from the perspective of the very first slave and really understanding what that meant. Um, Critical, key points. How do we, encourage folks to uh i think it's important too for black people to understand that our goal yes our like we're going to be mad as hell rightfully so but we also have to find moments to educate and highlight and make suggestions the other thing is too that all black people don't have the answer right some of them may not have the necessary lived experiences to have the answers from some of the brands who say well we're going to hire X, Y, and Z, black person. Like, you got to be real critical even with that. Like, you have to think about black people who are poor. And, you know, like the the new wave of hiring, we talk about the new normal and what the new normal should look like after the pandemic of coronavirus. And now we got to have those conversations too about the new normal after this pandemic of racism. But the new normal might mean Fortune 500 companies consider folks who don't have a bachelor's degree or an associate's degree, but they have lived experience that can really help that brand prosper. So I think that's going to be critical in this in our mindset of how do we how do we meet somewhere halfway? How do we have these conversations that are uncomfortable? Like we gotta really reimagine uh, life moving forward, thinking about history from that perspective and reimagine it and in ways that we wouldn't even think of before. There's no way that someone on Wall Street would ever consider working with a hustler that hangs out on the corner of Avenue D and Conkey in Rochester. But that is the type of deep forward thinking that I think that we have to implement as we fight racism.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we had, for our conscious capitalism a few years ago, John Hope Bryant uh, came and gave, gave a great talk Similar to that, basically saying that, you know, somebody on the corner, they know about distribution, they know about marketing, they know about customer service. Uh, it's in a different way. But how can we how can we channel that towards productive ends? Because they do have lived experience and, and a lot to a lot to give to an organization. They have certainly entrepreneurialism, um, you know, in, in how do we channel that in a, in a way that's going to be productive? Brady, think about
1: that model, too where, you know, I've worked on so many projects that I've called the black projects that companies that I've worked for, freelance for, they say, oh, call Rashad, he'll know how to connect. And I, and I acknowledge that with those companies all the time. Like it's not a secret, right? Um, and, and I get it. And I'm appreciative of the opportunity because I know that it's critical information that my people need to hear. So I've done work even on those corners, like real work in terms of health and wellness and informing folks about information. Think about how critical it is for back to those comments about from Amanda Mull in her piece, uh, Amanda Mull from the Atlantic, where she says that white folks don't know how much they really benefit from black Americans. Like, think about the strategy behind communicating messages to street corners. Like, I'm not a street dude. I'm, I grew up and born and raised in the hood, but that don't make me street, right? <laughs> However, if you take those cats that are already on the street, And they have those connections and those relationships and you invest in them and you're not thinking about the minute marijuana charges or what they're, you know, that's small. We see now like the cannabis industry is growing. And of course, we know that is dominated by white men in leadership right and so there's an opportunity for us to even leverage that with those who are on those street corners but i say all that to say you know there's always conversation about well, we can't find these people yes you can the same blocks that you're trying to reach to get those messages out to those are the same blocks you should be trying to recruit your staff from does that mean that you have to work a little harder absolutely without a question but hard work should not be the case here because in the case of america Black folk have been working 100% harder than any other race for years.
0: I can't think of a better way to end than that. So thank you for that. Just in terms of having some of those difficult conversations, um, certainly thinking outside the box in terms of how you're, how you're hiring and, and recruiting and how you're appreciating talents. And, uh, and, and really just hopefully these brands, as they start to uh, embrace this, they can start to have more, you know, have more authentic conversations with their, with their employees and more authentic conversations with their customers through their brand. And, uh, we only barely scratched the surface, my friend, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can do this again and we can, we can pick apart everybody that's been been making stumbles along the way, uh, you know over the next couple months <laughs>
1: yeah and for those brands you know this is my shameless plug here um you know in me reaching very far and so for those big brands and you you think you did it wrong and you think you got it wrong hit your boy radical rashad and i can help you walk through some stuff at least at the surface but again to that point just because i'm a black man and just because i have my lived experience and i've educated myself That doesn't mean to stop at me. There are so many others that know more than me, and we have to look at it as an opportunity to really, really uh, take this culture, an essential culture of people, and and leverage leverage them and their skills to help us end racism. It's all about the money, it's all about the approach, but it's also about our strategies and tactics when we're tackling these issues. And we got to be very careful because people are emotionally drained and we have to acknowledge that. And we have to figure out how do we fight for the people that we call neighbors and friends and colleagues and brother and sister.
0: love it. Well, Radical Rashad, thanks so much for joining us. And for those that want a little piece of that national award winning uh, media professional, you know, everything that you got going on, where can they find you? Yes,
1: I'm on all social channels at Radical Rashad.
0: All right, take it easy. Let's talk again soon, my friend. All right, Brady, thanks
1: for the opportunity, bro.
0: Thanks, as always, to all the evolutionaries out there listening across more than 30 countries around the world. We hope that you found it to be both inspirational and full of actionable insights to guide you on your own evolutionary journey. We've grown this movement entirely by word of mouth. So if you know someone who might find value in listening to this episode, we'd be deeply grateful if you'd share it with them. And of course, make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening app so that you're notified as soon as we release new episodes each week. Together, we can evolve business toward a more conscious capitalism.